This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and I want to encourage you to continue to watch. We want to talk about a living sacrifice. The Apostle Paul makes mention of that in one of his letters. We want to talk about that today. Uh, now, today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course, and we want you to have that Bible course. Someone says, well, what does it cost, Brother Lambert? Absolutely nothing. It is free. We are giving that to you. All you have to do is get the information we're going to have in just a moment, and you follow the directions, and you can get the Bible course that you might know more about it and know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftail.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from the 12th chapter of Romans, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I read a story once about a woman in the foreign country who went down to the river with her baby, and she took her baby and she threw the child into the river where there were creatures that would eat the child. And in her mind, she was sacrificing that child to her gods. That's not what Paul had in mind in Romans 12 when he talked about a living sacrifice. The, the apostles of our Lord were commissioned to carry the gospel to all the world. And because their lives were living sacrifices, they were able to spread the gospel in an unbelievable way. As a matter of fact, in Romans the 15th chapter and verse 19, Paul said that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, they had preached the gospel. And if you were to get a map and you find the city of Jerusalem, that's the beginning point of where they had preached. And then you follow it all the way around the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And you'll see that Illyricum is a long, long way from Jerusalem. They were able to do that without an automobile, without an airplane. They were able to do that with the methods they had of traveling in that day. You say, well, how were they able to spread the gospel in such a fashion? 
It was because they were living sacrifices unto God. See, living, a living sacrifice in, involves these kinds of things. It, it involves being dedicated. It, it involves being totally committed. And it involves consecration. As I live the Christian life, my life is to be a living sacrifice. Now that is in contrast to the type sacrifices offered in the Old Testament. And in paganism, they are dead sacrifices. And they'll take some animal and they'll offer it upon the altar uh, to their God and to the God of the Bible in the Old Testament under the Mosaical system. But today our lives are to be lived in a sacrificial way. We're to live dedicated lives, committed lives, consecrated lives. Well, someone says, do you really believe that Jesus demands that today? Well, let me read a few verses to you and cite some passages to you that I believe suggest to us beyond any doubt that the Lord demands living sacrifices of His followers today. We're to be dedicated to Him, committed to Him, and consecrated to Him 100%, not 50%, but we're to go all the way with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30, Jesus taught that if your eye offends, you pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's better to be enter into life main than that the whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand offends you, cut it off and cast it from you, it's better to enter into life main than that the whole body be cast into hell. Someone says, well, do you think that Jesus is talking about literally cutting off your hand and literally plucking out your eye? Well, I doubt seriously that he's talking about that in a literal way. But if something that I'm doing with my hand is offensive, I need to cease doing that. If something that I see with my eye is something that would hinder me from being a disciple of Jesus, I need to cease looking at that. In other words, I should never use my hand, I should never use my eye to do anything that would be offensive to the Lord and, and would damage my soul. But suppose the Lord did command that it be literal. Would you be willing to do it? Are we willing to make any sacrifice that is required in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? In Matthew, the 19th chapter, there was a man that came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Keep the commandments. And he asked which, and Jesus told him some of the commandments to keep. And he responded by saying, all of these I've kept from my youth up. He had a good background, good training. And then he asked, what lack I get? What else do I need to do? And Jesus said, you go and take your goods that you have, all your possessions, and you sell those, and you, and you give it to the poor, and then you come and follow me. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Here's a man who was bowing down to the God of gold, not the God of the Bible. He was not living a dedicated, committed life. And he turned his back upon Jesus in the, as a result thereof. In Luke, the 14th chapter, Jesus is talking about the cost of being a disciple. And in verse 33, he said, Whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We should never allow anyone, anything to come between us and our Lord. 
We should never allow anything or anyone to come between us in worshiping the Lord and serving the Lord and working for the Lord. We need to be dedicated to Jesus Christ completely. I think sometimes that we have people that are just playing church. They go through the motions, but they're not really living sacrifices to the Lord. You say, well, how can we know when we are? Is there any way that we can tell that we're being as dedicated as we should be? Well, I think there are three things that we can use that, that what might be a benefit to us. Number one, when I'm a living, my body is a living sacrifice to the Lord. I'm really dedicated. I'm really committed to the Lord. I'm consecrated. My motives are pure. You see, the Lord is not only concerned about what we do. The Lord is concerned about the reason that we do what we do. Our reason, our motive behind what we do. He wants us to do the right thing. But He wants us to do the right thing for the right reason. You could do the right thing for the wrong reason and, it could, and you would be wrong. It would be sinful. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, Paul begins by saying that uh, if I were to give my body to be burned and if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. If, if I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor and, and yet I don't have love, it's, it's, it's useless, it's profitless for me. The Lord wants to know that I'm motivated properly, motivated out of love if I were to help the poor, motivated out of love if I preach the gospel, motivated out of love if I try to help other people. You see, the Lord wants to know that I have a pure motive for what I do and not an impure motive. Is your motive pure? A second way that we can know that we are dedicated is, is the fact that Jesus is all or He is nothing at all. He is our all and in all. He is everything to me. Listen to some passages that suggest that to us. In Psalms chapter 9 and verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. He either gets all of your heart when you praise Him, or He gets none of your heart. Then Psalms 119 and verse 10, With my whole heart, have I sought thee? Are you seeking the Lord with your whole heart, with all of your heart? Then listen to Psalms 119 and verse 58. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. We're to give the Lord all of our heart, not some of it. That's why in Matthew 22 and verse 37, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all of your heart. So one way that we can know we're dedicated is when Jesus is our all or nothing at all. David Lord George was once prime minister of England, we're told, and he once said one of the most dangerous things in the world is try to jump a chasm in two jumps. You just better try to do it in one if you want to survive. And the most dangerous thing in the world is to be double-minded with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when I'm dedicated, double-mindedness is excluded. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. You can't be double-minded and to have two masters at the same time. James chapter 1 and verse 8 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so some have what I call a, a split spiritual personality. 
they have so much Jesus that they can't enjoy being out here in the world, and they have so much world in them, they can't enjoy Jesus. And, and, and Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one, you'll love the other. You'll hold a one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and mammon is money. And there are many that are bowing down to the God of gold today, that are bowing down to money today. That's all they ever think about is another dollar in their pocket. You know, I want you to imagine a circle here, and that circle represents the kingdom of Jesus. That's where Jesus is. And over here is another circle, and that represents the devil's kingdom. And we have enough intelligence to know that you can't live in both of those kingdoms at the same time. That's what Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You can't serve Jesus and also serve the devil at the same time. You cannot do that. So what some people do is they try to pull those two kingdoms together so they sort of overlap in the middle and they try to live right there in between the both of them, what one man referred to as the twilight zone. But you cannot live in the twilight zone and go to heaven. You cannot serve both masters and go to heaven. You see, when we are living sacrifices unto God, our bodies are, are presented as living sacrifices and are dedicated and consecrated to the Lord Jesus Christ. This double-mindedness is excluded from my life. Well, someone may say, How, what, what is the evidence that I'm, uh, my life is a living sacrifice? What is the fruit of it? And, and I want to make this as simple as I possibly can so that we will not miss it. Number one, when my life is a living sacrifice and I'm dedicated, I'm consecrated, I'm committed to Jesus, I have come to the point in my life that I say no to sin. Say no to sin. And that means that I say no to self. I remember a number of years ago, many were beating this drum. Accentuate the positive. Eliminate the negative. And I can remember a number of years ago we were being told that we should not be negative in our preaching. That, that we need to be positive and only positive in our preaching. To never be negative in our preaching. Well, I believe that there is a need to be positive and we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's also a place for a wholesome negativeness. I want you to observe this, that 365 of the 613 commandments that were given to the Jews by Moses were negative commands. Eight of the 10 commandments are negative. Two-thirds of Paul's command to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 is negative. That's where he said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And so two-thirds of that passage is negative. There's a place for us to be negative. We've got to come to the point, if we're going to serve the Lord, say no to self. And that means no to sin. We need to say no to sin. We, we need to say no to lying. We need to say no to stealing. We, we need to say no to pornography. 
We need to say no to drugs. We need to say no to alcohol. We need to say no to cursing. We need to say no to forsaking the assembly. We need to say no to thousands of things. To say no to sin. Joseph stands out in the Bible as a person who lived a life of purity at a time that he was tempted in a very serious way. In Genesis 39, Joseph is in Potiphar's house. He's an overseer in his house. And he had it charge of everything in the house except one thing, and that's Potiphar's wife. And daily, Potiphar's wife would try to tempt Joseph to sin with her. She would say, come lie with me. And, and she was a very seductive woman in this way. But Joseph refused her advances. He said, I cannot do that and sin against my God. You see, he, uh, he knew what it was to be a living sacrifice. He knew what it was to believe in God, be dedicated, to be committed, and to be consecrated to the Lord. Joseph learned to say no to self and no to sin. Some of us have never learned that. Jesus in Matthew 16 and verse 24 said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You cannot be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ without first denying yourself. Say no to self. Now that's half of what we can observe about the fruit of living sacrificially. The second half of it is this. After we say no to self, we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to Jesus. Well, now just what does that mean if I say yes to Jesus? Well, first of all, when I say yes to Jesus, that means that I have become submissive to Him. You know, we live in a time where people don't want to be submissive to anyone. Youth do not want to be submissive to their parents, and the parents don't want to be submissive to their employers, and the employers don't want to be submissive to the federal government. No one wants to be submissive to anyone. But if we're going to serve the Lord sacrificially, if we're going to live lives of dedication, consecration, and commitment, we've got to say yes to Jesus, and one of the fruits of that is submission in our lives. When we are willing to submit our will to His will. I think Abraham knew what it meant to be submissive. He was submissive in Genesis chapter 12 when the Lord said, Get thee up out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Hebrews 11 and 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing where he was going. Imagine that. That's submission. And in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, when God uh, uh, was going to test or to try to tempt uh, Abraham, and he told him to go and to, out to Mount Moriah to offer his only son upon the altar there. And Abraham went to offer up his son on that altar. But God really wasn't after the boy. He was after Abraham. Abraham was willing to take the life of his son. And that's when God supplied the sacrifice 
in the stead of his son. But the point is, Abraham was submissive to the will of God. Are you submissive to his will? Are you willing to obey his will without regard to your convenience or consequence? But a second way that we can see that we have said yes to Jesus is by being loyal to the truth. There must be loyalty to to truth. The church is to uphold the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, that, 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 that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So that passage says that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth is to uphold the truth. And we must be loyal to truth. But sometimes people show more loyalty to tradition than they do truth. And then then they begin to believe that their traditions are the truth. When we become serious about serving Jesus and when we make up our minds that I'm going to make it all or nothing at all with Jesus and I'm going to devote my life sacrificially to Jesus, I'm going to do what He tells me to do. I'm going to uphold the truth. You know, Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth will make you free. We need to believe in the truth. His word is truth, John 17 and 17. But another fruit of a a life where we say yes to Jesus is the development of a personal holiness in our lives. The age in which we live would not necessarily be considered an age of holiness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, Paul said, Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of the filthiness of flesh and of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness is not the name of a church. Holiness is an attitude of heart. Another word for holiness would be purity. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. God said, be ye holy. For I am holy. We need a personal holiness. But then also when I'm a living sacrifice, my life is at least, I'm willing to become involved in the lives of other people in order to help them. There's an interesting question found in Genesis the fourth chapter in verse 9. And the question is, am I my brother's keeper? I've often thought that it would have been better had he been his brother's brother if he had treated him like a brother rather than taking his life. But there is a real sense in which we are our brother's keeper. That is, we have a responsibility to help other people when they are in need. I read some time ago, it's been a number of years ago, about a person drowning and there were 20 people that stood by and watched the person drown. There was a woman in New York, her first name was Kitty. It's a very famous story, and it's a true story, where she was being killed by an attacker. And there were people in the apartment buildings around who watched the attack, heard her screams for several minutes, help me, help me. 
And when the police investigated to see why they didn't come to the woman's aid, some of them said, we did not want to get involved. But when I am following Christ and I've said yes to Jesus, I'm already involved in the lives of other people. I need to be concerned about them and do everything possible for their benefit and for their help. When someone, for example, has a physical need, I don't need to shut up my bowels of compassion according to 1 John 3, 17 and 18. But I need to have a heart that's so big that I want to do everything I can to help that individual who is in need. There are needs all over the world. Recently it was called our attention at church about people in the Sudan who are starving to death and so a special contribution was taken to help feed the people in the Sudan. There are needs all over the world but we don't have to go on the other side of the world to find needs. They're all around us wherever you live right now. There are people around you that are in need. There are families that are in need of food, children that are in need of clothes. There are so many needs today. And when I'm serving Jesus, I want to do everything I can to help mankind. But the main thing that I'm concerned about is helping people with their spiritual needs. I'm my brother's keeper when it comes to his soul. I'm concerned about your soul. I do not want you to face me in the judgment. And here you say in the language of Psalms 142 and verse 4, no man cared for my soul. I care for your soul. I want you to go to heaven one day. That's the reason that I try to teach you what the Bible says about the plan of salvation. That in order to be saved, you believe in Jesus, you repent of your sins, you confess faith in Christ, you're to be baptized into Christ. Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what I'm concerned about. One of the reasons that we pray for you, and we have so many of you who contact us and you write us or you send us emails and say, please pray for me. Well, we have a special night of the week in my home where people gather together to study the Bible together, to sing together, and we pray together and we pray for you. We call your name before the throne of God because we love you. I I, I want to encourage you to be a living sacrifice. Give your life to Jesus Christ and do it today. You see, that's the greatest thing that you'll ever do because we're on, our, on a journey. And this journey is going to take us into eternity. Will you give yourself to Jesus? Will you do it today? Please, please do it today. I want to thank you for watching today. And I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community where people will help you and encourage you in your journey toward heaven. And I want to thank you for taking the time to watch the telecast. Please pick up the phone now and call for the free Bible course. I want to thank you for watching today. May God bless you until we meet again is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.